forge your inner armor. Welcome to the Inner Armor Podcast with Dr. Timothy Royer, where we explore ways to train our brains and bodies to become dynamically resilient so that we can all, from professional athletes to ordinary people, perform at our potential. Well, welcome to the Inner Armor Podcast. We're here again with Doc. Say hi, Doc. Hey, it's good to be back. We were just on three minutes ago, but here we go. <laughs> through, but through the magic of showbiz, we are rolling this over into another episode. And we have, once again, a very special guest with us, Kirk Cousins, the quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings. And he is calling in because of his long history in working with Dr. Royer. And if you listen to the last episode, Kirk really shared with us how using the kind of technologies and methodologies that Dr. Royer talks about has really contributed to his success at the highest levels of professional sports in the NFL. So, Kirk, welcome back. Yeah, great to be back with you guys. Um, It's a fun topic to be able to unpack. Uh, I look forward to this conversation for a while. Yeah. Now, Kirk, not all of us get to do our jobs in stadiums, uh, you know, surrounded by 100,000 people and uh, all that kind of uh, thing that you do, but everybody has demands in their life, right? And so for our listeners, they walk into the, you know, the stadiums, the arenas of their life, whatever that is, and they need or desire to perform at their own potential. So let's talk a little bit in this episode about what advice maybe you can give to them uh, to inspire them and encourage them to you know, maximize their potential to be the best versions of themselves, especially using some of the things that Dr. Royer uh, talks about. And, and let's start actually with precision, which is one of the three sort of legs of the tripod that Inner Armor's approach is built on. And that's this sensory acuity, uh, particularly vision, that can make us all better at what we do. You talked in the last episode about how that applies to you, but when you look uh, even outside your own experience, very you know, particular experience as a quarterback, how do you see that playing out in the lives of the people around you, you know, your, your family, your friends, your children, and so on and so forth? Well, I think division training, uh, and Dr. Royer can speak to some specific case, cases, but I mean, people have no idea that their eyes are letting them down so much and makes it so hard on their brain. And until you were to, you know, be tested and objectively have a way to measure your performance and, and weigh it against thousands of people to see where you fall, it's kind of a sleeping giant or a hidden problem. And I think there are many people who, when they can realize, oh my goodness, the pressure that's been put on my brain as a result of my eyes failing to pull their, their weight, um, you know, it's a game changer when you can get that corrected. You know, life's hard enough. We don't need to be dragging extra anvils around. Uh, with us physiologically with parts that we weren't even aware of letting us down. So um, Doc can speak more to that, but uh, I think that it's it's a simple way to, you know, make life easier on your brain is to give your eyes, taking in all this stimulus and all this information to give them every reason to perform at their best. Yeah, I, um, I remember, Kirk, when we first started doing the vision, it wasn't right out of the chute. Like we'd, we'd started with with breathing and heart rate and neurofeedback. But then when you went down to, um, was it IMG? Yes. Yeah. So we're getting some, uh, before you went into the draft, uh, you were doing some off, some work to prep. 
and we started doing vision. And um, we noticed some issues with like convergence, divergence, which is the eyes moving in and out and hadn't really thought that they were, I mean, they weren't major issues, but they were, they were enough to say, well, let's work on this. And of course, like you do everything else, you jumped in with both feet. I think you got through the first phase of vision about three times faster than anybody else. But um, it actually, when we looked at the changes in your numbers, it was really changing how your brain was perceiving what was going on. At least I could tell neurologically. Um, in some sense, you were seeing more uh, defensive players coming at you uh, than actually were to some degree or the speed at which they're coming out because we were dealing with strengthening the eyes to actually slow the game down, which is a, a fascinating thing. Um, but in life, I mean, these are real things that people deal with all the time and they don't think about it. You know, they just think about why, well, you know, I don't read very well or I have dyslexia or uh, my eyes hurt, you know, part way through the day. And don't realize that, like you said, that's taxing your brain. Um, and why make it harder? And um, you kept coming back to vision over the years. You know, like a lot of people kind of go through the program and they're kind of done. But can you kind of tell, you know, speak to why that you would come back and do the program over and over? You know, what were you noticing? Well, I think it's important to check back in and uh, make sure that everything's functioning. And, you know, inevitably when you take a year off, you know, two years off that, you know, there may be things that are a little weaker and it may not be everything. You know, when you first get started, you feel like, okay, I got, I got to improve a lot of areas of vision. But as you improve things, uh, then it might be one, you know, point that's a little more stubborn. And so you got to uh, address that a little more often and um, try to keep things up at, at the high level. And for me, you know, I often go see different health professionals and I say, you know, you're, you might be used to seeing somebody who's got a really rough case. You know, that's not me. I'm, I'm just at an area where it's a razor's edge. And so I'm trying to yes. find that 1%, 2%. Um, but the, the, the need is still there. And so I still want the same expertise you're giving somebody who just wants to feel better in their basic activities of daily life. I still want that expertise. We just have to apply it to Somebody who, yeah, in daily life, I feel okay. But in the Razor's Edge competition that I'm in, I need that 1% that give me. So um, in that case, my needs might be different, but they're also still the same in the sense that I'm applying the same principles uh, to my life just as, as they would apply to anyone else. Yeah, can you... Um, you remember when we were working, did, had done work on cicades, which uh, for the users, cicades... Is yes. Uh, these eye stops that your eyes do when you move. And it has to do with uh, how you track things and how fast your eyes move. And so with the exercises that, that we do after we've worked on binocular vision, Kirk would work on cicades. And there's two components of it. There's a speed component. And then there's an accuracy component. And you're trying to find the balance between these two, which... Uh, we want that for an elite athlete, but we also want that in life. Can you speak a little bit to the to that balance that we were, you know, looking for, and kind of where you fell in the um, speed and accuracy, and trying to find that that balance between those? Yes, yeah, so we had to kind of figure that out because I was, I believe, I was all accuracy. The speed was a little <laughs> too slow, 
And you kind of <laughs> chuckled and said, oh, that's probably personality. You know, you want to do things right. And it's hard for you to just, you know, blow over something and go fast. You know, you want it done right. And so he said, you know, be okay with being a little bit less accurate to gain a little more speed. And, um, and so then you kind of, you know, learn how to better improve at the test. But, um, you know, certainly there's conversations that we've had that go well beyond just objective data on vision or objective data on breathing HRV, you know, to actually, you know, personality and how you view the world and the way you're wired. And I think that's the beautiful blend between the psychology part of your background, Doc, which is obviously a big part when you study the brain. Yeah. Then also the biology, physiology side of what you do, where you say, I don't want to just ha- talk about feelings all day. You know, it's, it's really both. It's, it's, you want to look at uh, the, um, the subjective, the feelings, the worldview, uh, but then also the objective and the data and the science and use both to um, really customize a plan to, op- to really optimize your health and, and who you are as a person. Yeah, to, br- to bring in all those variables. And I think that kind of balance between accuracy to the point that it can get obsessional or perfectionistic and then speed and productivity, uh, that's not just something that an NFL quarterback struggles with because you could yeah. probably different NFL quarterbacks into different buckets. You have yes. some that are very, very fast, but maybe not putting a lot of weight on being accurate, right? Or you have the ones that are very, very accurate, but it compromises speed. And your ability to find that balance and fine tune that, um, I think that's what everybody out there is kind of looking for. You know know what I'm saying? Yes, absolutely. I think it's, again, I'm looking at the razor's edge, but we all live with that. And uh, we'll be the best version of ourselves when we can, you know, find those uh, and, and optimize them. Well, yep. if we take that off the NFL quarterback, because something that I really learned from Doc when I first started working with him like 12 years ago, you know, let's take it away from the NFL quarterback and talk about the third grader in a classroom. And, and yes. I remember this was like an epiphany for me. You know, light bulbs went off over my head when Doc talked about this. And he said, here's this third grade boy and he's struggling to sort of see the page, the letters on the page, or he's struggling to keep up with what uh, the teacher's putting on the board and he starts to have a lag in his processing, right? He's just running a second or two behind, right? And then what happens, he gets learn, labeled with a learning disability, which becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Correct. And all of a sudden now he feels like, you know, and everyone says, well, you know, Bobby is dumb and Bobby isn't going to succeed in life and really had a vision problem. And if somebody had corrected that, you know, for Bobby, wouldn't have been on this trajectory in life, you know, that, that, you know, didn't, didn't give him the opportunities that maybe he should have had right. and, and contributed to low self-esteem and everything else. Right. Now, this is a topic I'm very passionate about because everything you just said is true. And uh, uh, it's not an easy uh, thing. I mean, these are, these are world experts who are discovering yeah. these things and applying them. So it's not like it's obvious for a parent or for a, a friend to be able to say, oh, do this and you'll be fixed. But at the same time, when you feel like you have answers to help young people be healthier, excel more, have a higher self-esteem. You want to share it with the world because it's like it's like good news that you just can't keep to yourself. And so that's where I'm at with all of this that I learned from Dr. Royer. It's like, why was I not learning about this until my early 20s? Why does it 
not pervasive across the NFL or across pro sports? Why is it sort of a niche thing? And that frustrates me. And so certainly you want to see pro athletes engage in it to improve their careers. But way more importantly, you want to see young kids, uh, you know, benefit from it. And to be able to, you know, you talk to parents who, who you say, well, what is it, what would it mean to have your son no longer struggling in third grade, but to be excelling in third grade? And the parent would say, it's, it's priceless. And you say, well, then, you know, why not spend some, some money to make sure that, that they are given that chance because right now they're struggling and they have a chance to, to excel. And so uh, many times it's, you know, helping, helping people understand the difference this can make in your life could very well be priceless. And so why not invest the time and the energy? Uh, I know certainly for me, whatever I've invested from a time standpoint, you talk about the work it takes, whatever I've invested has paid off certainly, you know, in, in football contracts, but also in just my health and wellness as a person, because I think my wife would tell you that relating to me is different now and better than it used to be. And I'm sure as a parent, you know, you're a better parent. So there's things it's hard to put a price on, uh, when it comes to spending your time and your energy, uh, where you'd say whatever it was, it was worth it. Well, I just want to give a plug to doc on this one, because one of the things that struck me when I first met him and had the, you know, the privilege of working with him, you know, on, on a, some of these projects with him, you know, his background in pediatric uh, neuropsych, you know, he has an understanding of development and human development and how the things that happen to us when we're very young contribute to, you know, where we're going to be as adults, um, both positively and negatively. Doc, you know, when you look at these, these principles that people are trying to address when they're adults, you know, how much of that can be addressed sort of upstream or earlier in the timeline? you know, for children so that they develop into healthier people uh, with, you know, greater potential? Yeah, I think every, everyone's different and every, that's what I've learned more brains that I've looked at. You know, like I have assessed over a dozen of the starting quarterbacks in the NFL and I'll tell you, every one of them's different and, you know, Kirk's different. He gets, he goes about it a different way. There are similarities in certain things that you have to do kind of downstream. You have to do these certain things, but upstream, what drives that? Uh, every single person is unique. We are fearfully and wonderfully made and there's no two people alike. And, um, the thing about putting people into boxes, while that can be helpful, sometimes you disregard the uniqueness of that individual and. You know, there's a lot of things with my experience with Kirk that, um, yes, maybe worked out of a box, but more came out of me understanding who he was as a person and him understanding me and us working together to create synergy and um, me really understanding where his strengths and weaknesses are in his brain. But that doesn't come without assessment. And that's where I think most people start doing things on the downstream behaviors whether that's um, attention or sleep or not throwing the ball correctly, whatever, they're working on the downstream behavior, but they're not looking upstream. And that's the unique thing about Kirk is he has always looked upstream. He, he doesn't see it as, at least from what I can gather, as I just need to throw more footballs. You know, it's, what's going on upstream and how that's going to impact. And so he's never shied away from, let's assess this, let's assess that. And that's what's allowed us to open the doors into these arenas. 
is getting the assessment. It's not just as moving into some treatment or some intervention, but literally look at why is that happening. So the first leg of the Inner Armor tripod, or Royal Neuroscience tripod, is precision, but the second leg is power. And for a variety of reasons, most of us are not, well, we're not well oxygenated, which means that we're underpowered for the demands of life. So how can improving our breathing, our coherence, our heart rate variability, et cetera, improve the health and quality of our life? And, and how important is it, especially for kids and young people, as we're talking about at an early age, to develop these wellness habits? Um, I'll just throw that question out to the two of you. Well, I learned that being a, a stomach breather instead of a, a ribs breather uh, was just a foundational. I mean, that was probably my first meeting with Dr. Royer was that was to just say hey you know watch yourself breathe pay attention to how your lungs expand when really it should be your diaphragm pushing such that your stomach goes out and that's the way we were designed to breathe but life comes at us and as we get older we get away from that and we start to breathe with our ribs which is not how we were designed to operate and and your nervous system is affected by that and and really the way you physiologically respond to life and so at a foundational level, being a stomach breather, as I would call it, um, can make a major difference on many downstream uh, effects. So I look at my, my three-year-old son, Turner, and I watch him breathe, and it's all stomach, naturally. And I'll yeah. be interested to see when he's 10, 11, 12, 15, if that changes. But I'll be able to point to the fact that when he was three, he was a stomach breather. So if it changes, it's not because of, you know, the, the, uh, nature it's because of the nurture and the way life affects you. So, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a big deal. And so for me, it's about kind of undoing the negatives and getting back to the way you're naturally wired. And, uh, so I do the stomach breathing, you know, in the locker room, right before the game, I do it when the defense is on the field and I'm sitting on the bench, I do it on the bus on the way to games, but I also do it in the car, you know, driving around. I've got, Dr. Roy has given me tools to be able to kind of track my breathing through cell phone apps and other things. And so I just kind of keep it with me in, in, in a bag or in the car and just have the ability at any time throughout the day to kind of pause and take a three-minute break to just kind of reset with my breathing. And um, I think there are benefits in daily life to that, but I also think there are benefits to the long haul. And while I'm mm -hmm. trying to be the best quarterback I can be, I also want to win the long game. And, yep. uh, and that's a big part of all that I do with Dr. Royer is to look back when I'm 50, 60, 70 years old and just be in a place that other people my age who have been through my experiences are not in, um, just simply because of the habits I was able to do on a daily basis and put in year after year. Kirk, I think, um, you know, while everybody doesn't play football, uh, everybody's familiar with stress <laughs> and, uh, you're familiar with that, uh, firsthand uh, from a lot of different things that happened in the game of football. How would you say the dance, in a sense, of stress and breathing, like if we look at that over the last 12 years, right, and we think about how much breathing you've done and different moments of stress at a macro level, but also at a micro level, how do you see those two things kind of working with each other well the more the more stress you're under the greater the need to breathe properly mm. and so the more you feel yourself in that 
place of stress, the more you need to be aware of taking a break to breathe or saying, how am I breathing? And um, I think you'll find that when the breathing improves, the stress improves such that you are better able to function in whatever stressful environment you're in. And so certainly for me, that's, that's the football games. Um, and so I really try to be intentional about my breathing around those moments. But you know, many things I do in training, it's always oh, three days a week or you know, once a month or whatever, where you're not, it's not a all the time, every time thing. It's a part of your life. Breathing is an exercise that when I've asked, you know, how often should I be doing this? It's, it's really a, you can't do it enough. Like there is no <laughs> level of, well, if you could just correctly breathe this often, that'd be great. It's like, no, we're always going to want you to correctly breathe more than what you currently do. So, um, you know, anytime you can apply it, there are benefits. And if it's three, three times a day, great. Start with that. But you want to get to a place where it's all the time. And that's when you really unlock uh, the, the, the benefits. You know, I have this, uh, I, I'll always remember this. You, um, Kirk will do breathing at half, halftime, which you think, you know, there's a million things you could be doing at halftime. So one of my questions, why do you choose to do that when you start? But he'll, he'll send me the num his numbers at halftime, you know, uh, not at halftime, but you know, a couple of days later, I'll get what he was doing and I can see what his heart's doing, his breathing, that kind of stuff. And um, I had just gotten off this phone call with this executive who's like, well, I just don't have time to breathe. And, um, you know, literally when I got off the phone call, my phone pinged and Kirk breathing from the halftime of this very intensive game comes through my phone. And I'm like, now, how about that? Of anybody who could say to me, Doc, I just don't have time to breathe. It's probably Kirk. Like, but yet you're doing that. And why integrate it right in, you know, in the middle of the game? Why? I think there are moments in football where uh, it's hurry up and wait. And you do have these idle moments when you're left to your own thoughts. And the last thing you want to do is have nothing in front of you. That's when your mind can go to places you don't want it to go. And so I find breathing to be a great comfort. And if the defense is on the field and I could be worrying about things I can't control, why not just take, take my focus to something I can control, which is my breathing, and just focus on that as an objective to do while I wait for my next opportunity. So whether that's pregame before kickoff, halftime before we go back out, uh, in between series, I find breathing to be a, a, a great time filler and a great way to stay present. And so if you can identify those moments throughout your day where maybe you'd just be buzzing through your phone just to kill time, maybe buzz to a breathing app or, or just yeah. take that time to, to breathe instead of focusing on your phone and the social media account or whatever it may be. So there's those moments throughout our day. They don't have to be long, but we all have them where we, we choose to fill them with something and um, I don't know that you could pick a very a, a better activity than to just fill them with trying to to teach your body to breathe correctly. Awesome. So the three legs of the inner armor tripod, as we said, are precision and power, and that brings us to focus. And you know, Kirk, in the last episode, you were talking about, especially back in your Michigan State days, how you were sort of living in this state of, you know, constant sort of sympathetic stress, right? You were sort of amped up all the time by all the demands of 
the game and the off-field off-field prep or demands of the game and you know the pregame preparation, all the things that go into that world. But but as we think about ordinary people, a lot of them live in constant sympathetic state stress as well. You know, you think of the office worker, the retail clerk, the single mom working two jobs, the small business owner trying to, you know, keep it afloat and make payroll. You know, their HPA axis is activated and cortisol is flooding their body and they're stressed out all the time as well. So what have you learned about managing that stress and achieving focus and, and being able to, you know, manage the state of your mind from sympathetic to parasympathetic and all these things? How can ordinary people apply that to their lives? Well, there's no doubt I agree with what you just said that everybody has stress and problems are relative. And so for me, um, you know, certainly is a football game stressful? Absolutely. But, you know, I, believe me, my, my kids can bring a lot of stress to my life too. So I get, I get the fact that a, a parent could be experiencing it just as much as a pro quarterback. So, um, you know, I, I think that, that many times when your body is in that fight or flight mode and you're under stress, uh, you're physiologically not going to be able to perform at your best. You know, it, it goes into survival mode. It doesn't go into thrive mode. And I, I'm in a place where I, I can't afford to be in survival. I'm be in thrive mode. And so uh, I'm trying to teach my body to get to thrive mode, even in some very stressful situations where without proactive work, it's going to just go into survival mode. And, um, and so that's really been at the foundation of a lot of the work that doc and I have done is trying to get my body physiologically to thrive in moments where it really just wants to survive. And, um, if I had been just surviving, I, I never would have made it. <laughs> uh, yeah. but, but the emphasis on trying to get everything to thrive is what enables you to be at your best in competition and in stress. And, um, and that's really at the root of a lot of the work we've done. Sure. Can you uh, kind of explain a little bit about like when we're reading your brain and we read these different brain waves, um, how they impact focus and what you've learned about that over the years, uh, how the how the brain functions in relation to focus and and especially when it gets running too fast. Sure. So, um, you know, we've talked about the different brain waves and there's uh, brain waves that we want running at a at a frequency that's really optimal for focus and uh and dr Ware can put leads on my head that will tell me what that you know number is and if it's in that optimal zone and when i first went to him it was far from that and so you're just not going to be able to focus at the level that you need to it's going to be more um obsessive thoughts um it's going to be an unhealthy level of focus if you are focusing it's going to be to a place you don't want to go. And so um, uh, we've kind of learned and trained, you know, the, the importance of getting to that level of a calm, quiet, but focused mind um, that's not carrying too much. And those numbers, as they come down, that's when, you know, when I alluded to my wife, you know, saying he's easier to relate to, you know, that's when that happens. It just kind of happens without even having to be conscious of it. Um, because your brain is in a better place and, and operating more smoothly. And then sleep can largely impact our other brain waves that um, we also measure that there's a sweet spot number you want to be at as well, where when you're not in that window, you can lose focus and, or there can be a fogginess um, or a lack of attention. So 
um, you know, being able to pinpoint what is the issue, which brainwaves are the problem. Uh, let's not just throw something at at every issue, you know, I had to throw the same thing at it. Let's pinpoint what the issue is and then provide mm-hmm. the correct solution because I truly believe you need the right solution for the right problem. And too many times we're throwing the same solution at every problem when it wasn't meant for every problem. And so that's where Dr. Royer has has really, I think, changed the game. Yeah, and and Kirk is over the years we've done a lot of uh, work besides football, you know, trying to just speak together to other groups with different concerns like attention or anxiety or learning or those kind of things. Um, and, you know, he's, he's really been a supporter for, for this goes beyond just football. And, and would you say when you're looking at those brainwaves, uh, Kirk, that that would apply to, to really everybody outside of not just you as a quarterback? Exactly. I think it, it arguably applies far more importantly to that third grade student who, mm. if we don't get on top of this now, uh, you know, he's going to be labeled with things that just aren't fair to him. It's not his fault. And, and next thing you know, you're on bed and you're told that you're not good at this or that. And now your self-esteem is affected. And there's a an, an ongoing impact for the rest of your life. It just doesn't have to be the case. And so, you know, I was able to discover this, some of this stuff at 23, 24 years old. In my opinion, that's still, you know, 15 years too late. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I think it's so important that, that, you know, we get to the root of these things at the beginning as early as we can and, um, don't allow it to grow snowball into bigger issues. And, and, um, that's the other piece that I'll always say about any health and wellness benefits that I've received. Many times you take them for granted because being healthy and being in a good place and, mm-hmm. and, and moving forward, you just shrug your shoulders and say, great, but you don't know what it could have been. You don't know how bad it could have gotten. You don't know the things that you cut off at the pass that if you hadn't have proactively been doing something where it could have gone in a negative way. And so I look back now and I think, you know, all the things that I avoided that I don't even know about, I'm not even aware of simply because we were able to, to, to catch it uh, before it ever became a real problem. Mm, definitely. Well, Kirk, you know, you talked there about young people and I know that you're a father and you work with a lot of young people through your foundation. And I know you take the uh, role that you've been given uh, by God in life to be something of a role model. And a lot of people, kids are going to look up to you. You take that role seriously. And so let's just kind of maybe land today talking about young people. Let's talk about those three and four and five and eight-year-old kids. You know, when you look at your journey and also your, your experience with other professional athletes and the things that you've just seen in this world, what advice would you give not only for young kids so that they can grow up and achieve what they, the, the best that they can achieve in life, you know, maximize their potential, be the best versions of themselves, find success? but also to their parents and to their teachers and their coaches and the people around them. What can we do to raise the next generation to achieve all that they can achieve, especially in, in light of so many things in our society that you know, are working against that? Well, I, I just learned too much about my own health and wellness and my own journey to ever settle for, well, you know, you're just, that's just not good enough. You're just not going to be good enough or you weren't mm. cut out for this. That, that just, I've learned too much to settle for that as, as an answer. Mm. Um, 
you know, I remember, you know, Dr. Roy was with me. We went and saw a physical therapist back in 2013 who looked at, at my foot and ankle mobility and saw that mm-hmm. they were very limited. And he said, you know, if I had seen these feet and ankles on somebody and didn't know what you did for a living, I would have thought it's not possible for you to be a professional quarterback with how limited yeah. your mobility is in your feet and ankles. Um, but he said, but we can work on this and we can get it better. It may not ever become what, you know, would be the ideal, but, but we can improve it. And so for me, the key was, first of all, learning that my foot and ankle mobility was a hindrance. And then secondly, how to improve it. And once I was able to do that, you know, I was able to benefit as an athlete and, and have a better chance of staying healthy. And to this day, still benefit from that visit and, and what came of that visit. And so I just think it's so important to be persistent and be resilient and always be looking for uh, answers and for solutions and to not give up or be a victim or say, well, it just shrug your shoulders. It just it didn't work out for me. I think it's so important if we want to go where we want to go in life is to you know keep pushing and, and to be resilient. And that's where it helps to have people in the fight with you, like mm-hmm. a Dr. Royer who's giving you that armor that you need to stay in the fight and keep going. And so whether it's, you know, more psychology-based conversations that we've had through the years or more physiology-based uh, exercises and conversations we've had through the years, whatever it may be, you know, he's equipping me with the armor that I need to stay in this fight, both on the football field and in the life. Um, that, let's be honest, it's not an easy fight. I mean, life comes at us all hard. And yeah. um, if you're not equipped with the armor you need, uh, you're eventually going to throw your hands up and say, I can't do this. Um, and so, you know, why not make the effort to, uh, to get the armor that, uh, that'll help you excel at all you want to do. Wow. That's pretty inspiring. Kirk, thank you so much for joining us today. We know how busy you are and we're all excited to see what's coming up. Uh, obviously we're going to be looking forward to uh, you know, camp and, uh, what comes up for you this next year. And we know that there may be some changes for you. Uh, you know, the news is all full of speculation about where you'll be playing in the future. And that's exciting for all of us to watch. But another little tidbit that dropped here in this last week is apparently, uh, we're going to be seeing you on Netflix this summer. Can you say <laughs> a little bit about that? <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, it should be fun. You know, I've always kind of wished that, that, fans could see a little more behind the scenes of what life is like for a pro quarterback and, and that, you know, the work that goes in and also maybe just how, how the daily grind looks. And so I think this documentary will help speak to that. And, you know, they've had some success on Netflix with some different documentaries following professional athletes. And I think this should be no different. So we're excited about it. They're kind of still in the editing process now, but it should be a fun a fun look into uh, life as a pro quarterback. Did they follow you throughout the whole season? They did. They started following us uh, really right around the first game and then kept all the way through the season and wow. uh, and even through the, the playoffs. So it's it was a um, fun deal and uh, certainly at times an invasion of privacy, but it was something <laughs> we signed up for and you know is, is you know going to add good content. And um, it was a great football year. So it was a fun, fun season for them to capture. Wow. That's great. Well, Kirk, we know how busy you are and we know that you're doing important recovery uh, at this time of year and we wish you the best and we thank you for all that you've contributed and all the things that you do through your foundation. 
And uh, we'll be watching the news to hear all about what's going on in your world and in the NFL. And we'll be looking for that Netflix documentary and wishing you success in next season. So thank you so much for joining us. And Doc, thank you Absolutely. for dialing in as well. So, Yes, Kirk, I really appreciate your time and more so your friendship over the years and how we've been able to teach each other a lot along, along the way. And also now how we can try to help other people out and so um i know you're committed to helping people and so um it's great to to partner with you on those efforts through this podcast so thanks thanks kurt my pleasure thanks for having me on it's an honor and i enjoyed having the conversation thanks guys okay see ya this has been the inner armor podcast you can find it wherever you get your podcasts would you please follow or subscribe and make sure to leave us a review or comment. You can learn more about Inner Armor, Dr. Royer, and how to perform at your potential by going to forgeinnerarmor.com.